Chapter Seven of the Iron Horse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Iron Horse by Robert Michael Ballantyne. Chapter Seven. Little Gertie comes out in a new light, and Bob receives good news. Poor little earnest curly-haired Gertie had been so thoroughly reared in the midst of crashing sounds and dire alarms Without any mischance resulting that she had come to feel at last as if the idea of danger or disaster were a mere fiction It was therefore a new and terrible shock which she received when she saw her father carried to his cottage by four railway porters and tenderly laid in his bed and it went to her heart with an unaccountable thrill when she heard her father's usually loud hearty voice say in soft womanly tones thank ye lads thank ye i'll be all right soon please god good night and thank ye kindly good night good night jack they replied in various tones of cheeriness for these hard-muscled men had soft hearts and although they entertained fears for their friend they were anxious by the hearty tones of their voices to keep up his spirits You mustn't take on like that missus whispered one of them as they were leaving the cottage door The doctor said for sartin that there weren't no bones broken and he didn't think there was nothing internal It ain't that I'm afeard of whimpered poor mrs. Marrett But it does go to my heart so to hear my John speak in that voice I never heard him do it except once before when he was very low with fever and thought himself a dying But he ain't gonna die this time returned the kindly porter so cheer up missus good night Mrs. Marrett returned to the room where her husband lay Evidently suffering a severe pain for he was very pale and his lips were compressed He was anxious not to alarm Gertie and Lou who stood at the bedside The former could not speak and the blood had so completely fled from her face and her small tightly clasped hands that she resembled a creature of wax Can I do nothing to relieve the pain dear father said Lou as she wiped the perspiration from his brow Nothing nothing dear lass said John with some of his wonted heartiness except get me a cup of tea Mayhap that'll do me good, but the doctor will be here soon and he'll put me all to rights in no time the idea of a cup of tea was a deep device on the part of John who meant thereby to give Lou some active work to do and thus take her attention off himself And don't you be uneasy Molly he added turning to his wife It ain't a bad hurt I'm told and it ain't hard for a man to suffer a bit of pain now and again when it's the Lord's will Come that's the doctor's knock don't keep him waiting I knew he'd be here soon because mr. Abel said he'd send him without delay a prolonged and somewhat painful examination of John's injuries ensued during which time little Gertie with clasped hands parted lips and eager eyes watched the doctor's countenance intently after it was over the doctor turned to mrs. Marrett and said I'm happy to tell you that your husband's injuries although severe and painful are not serious no bones are broken but he has been severely bruised and will require careful nursing for some time and he added turning with a smile to the patient no more rushing about the country at 60 miles an hour 
for several weeks to come little gertie began to breathe freely again her hands unclasped and the color came slowly back as she crept quietly to the bedside and taking her father's large horny hand laid her cheek softly upon it are you easier now daddy she asked ay much easier god bless you gertie the doctor has made things much more comfortable they've got a wonderful knack of putting things right these doctors have why it minds me of my engine after a longish run she looks dirty and all out of sorts but when i gets her into the shed and gives her an overhaul you'd scarce know her again at this moment baby marrot who had been sleeping when his father was brought in became suddenly conscious of internal vacuity and forthwith set up a lusty howl whereupon mrs marrot pounced upon and throttled him to some extent don't stop him molly my dear you the remainder of the sentence was drowned by the night express which rushed past joining baby marrot in a yell as the latter freed his throat from his mother's grip don't stop him molly repeated john you don't suppose that after driving a locomotive for eight years i'm going to be disturbed by the small pipe of our own youngster let him yell molly it does him good and it don't do me no harm it was now arranged that gertie was to be head nurse on this trying occasion not that the appointment was considered appropriate but it was unavoidable seeing that gertie wanted it intensely and her father was pleased to have it so gertie had never before been called upon to do anything in the nursing way more serious than to look after baby when he had eaten too much or scolded himself nevertheless the way in which she went about her nursing would have done credit to a hospital training she evidently possessed a natural aptitude for the work and went about it with a sense of the importance of the trust which was quite charming she was at that tender age when such work becomes barely possible and the performance of it seems quite miraculous her father gazed at her in bewilderment while she went about gravely smoothing his pillow and tucking in corners of blankets and bringing cups and tumblers and spoons and handkerchiefs and sundry other articles to a chair at his bedside so as to be within reach of his hand molly and lou besides being highly interested were intensely amused it is a matter of dispute even to this day whether baby did not perceive the marvellous aptitude of gertie for he continued for a prolonged period to gaze at her as if in solemn wonder mrs marrot declared baby's gaze to be one of admiration but john held that it was owing to the state of exhaustion that resulted from an unusually long fit of yelling while he stared thus gertie having completed a number of little operations and put the finishing touches or pats to them became suddenly aware that everyone was laughing quietly what is it she asked relaxing the severity of her brow and brightening up they all laughed still more at this and gertie looking round for an explanation encountered baby's glaring eyes whereupon supposing that she had found out the cause she laughed too but she quickly dismissed her levity and recurred to her work with renewed diligence it was well for the engine driver that he had been trained in a rough school for his powers of endurance were severely tested that night by the attentions of his numerous friends who called to inquire for him and in some cases insisted on seeing him among others came one of the directors of the company who seeing how matters stood 
with much consideration said that he would not sit down but had merely looked in for a moment to tell john marrot that an appointment had been found for his son robert in the works and that if he would send him over in the morning he would be introduced to the locomotive superintendent and initiated into the details of his new sphere of action this was very gratifying to the engine driver of course but much more so to bob himself whose highest earthly ambition was to become as he styled it an engineer when that aspiring youth came home that night after cleaning his lamps he wiped his oily hands on a bundle of waste and sat down beside his sire to inquire considerately into his state of body and to give him as he expressed it the news of the line you see daddy he said the doctor tells me you're to be kept quiet and not allowed to talk so of course you've got nothing to do but lie still and listen while i give ee the news so here goes and don't you sit too near baby mother else you'll wake him up and we'll have a yell as'll put talking out of the question well then bob said lou interrupting her brother as she sat down opposite and began to mend one of baby's pinafores which by the way was already so mended and patched as to have lost much of its original form and appearance bob mr abel has been here and who's mr abel demanded bob one of the directors don't you know how should i know retorted bob you don't suppose that the directors is all my particular friends do you there's only two or three of em as has the honour of my acquaintance well resumed lou with a laugh you ought to consider mr abel one of your particular friends at all events for he has been here this evening making kind inquiries after father and telling him that he has got you appointed to the works that you've been so long hankering what interrupted bob in great excitement you don't mean that lou yes i do to the great clatterby works where the big hammer is well i suppose it is to these works said lou ay bob to the clatterby works lad so you're a made man if you only behave yourself and do your duty said john marrot in reply to his son's look of inquiry in the strength of his satisfaction the boy rose and taking lou round the neck kissed her pretty mouth heartily after which he bestowed the same favour on his mother and little gertie and looked as if he meant to do it to baby too but he thought better of it why mother he said resuming his seat at the bedside these are the works where they've got the big hammers so big mother oh you've no notion how big they are and heavy why one of them is full five tons in weight think of that equal to five carts of coals mother all rolled into one nonsense said mrs marrot but it's true said bob earnestly nonsense repeated mrs marrot why what would be the use of a hammer as no one could lift steam lifts it mother said bob as easy yes as easy as you lift the rolling pin the unbelieving woman still shook her head smiled and said nonsense moreover continued bob waxing enthusiastic on his favorite topic i'm told for i haven't seen em yet that they've got a pair of scissors there as can cut cold iron as easy as you can cut paper they could cut through said bob pausing and looking round they could cut through the poker and tongs and shovel all at one go as easy as if they were straws gammon said mrs marrot isn't it a fact daddy cried bob quite true molly dear 
I must take you over to see the works some day and convince you said John with a faint smile But what's the news you were going to give us Bob he added the news ah that good news drove it all out of my head Well as I was going to say There's a great to-do down at the shed because it's said that an awful lot of thefts has been going on of late at Bingley station and it's been reported that some of the drivers or firemen are concerned in it and do you know father continued bob suddenly becoming grave and very earnest i heard one of the men say that will garvey is suspected there was a momentary deep silence as if everyone had received a shock then mrs marrot exclaimed what say ye boy at the same time her husband demanded sternly who said that i don't know father i was passing through the shed at the time and didn't see who spoke i only heard him father said lou over whose face a deep crimson flush had spread surely you don't for a moment believe it believe it replied john believe that my mate will garvey is a thief i'd as soon believe that my molly was a murderer the energetic driver here struck his fist so violently on the bed as to cause his wounded side an acute twinge of pain it had scarcely passed away when the door opened and will garvey himself entered well jack he said going up to his friend's couch and taking his hand how do you feel now better the frank open countenance of the young man albeit begrimed with smoke and his clear laughing blue eyes were such a flat contradiction to the charge which had been made against him that john looked up in his face and laughed well you must be better if that's the way you answer me oh i'm all right said john quietly leastwise i'm on the rails again and only shunted on to a siding to be overhauled and repaired a bit you've heard the news i fancy what of bob's appointment said will glancing at lou for he knew that anything that was for bob's advantage gave her intense delight and he liked to watch her countenance in such circumstances of course i've heard of that moreover i've been to the locomotive superintendent and got leave to go over with him tomorrow and show him through the works along with any of his family that might want to go i made a special request for this thinking that mayhap he looked pointedly at lou and lou looked pointedly at the pinafore which suddenly claimed her undivided attention bob before will could finish his sentence broke in with now ain't that a circumstance why we was just talking of having mother over to see the works and letting her be convinced by her own eyes that there is a hammer there of five ton weight drove by steam and a pair of scissors that can cut cold iron an inch thick you'll go mother won't you well i dare say it would be amusing yes i'll go bob if father's better accordingly much to will garvey's disappointment it was arranged that mrs marrot was to accompany him and bob to the great railway works on the following day. End of chapter 7